so I'm Vic Sutherland, I'm a full-time coaxing mechanic at Fraserburgh Lifeboat Station. So the, the, the statue in memory of the, the, the 1970 disaster, as well as the, the other two lifeboat disasters, sits directly at the south side of the lifeboat station here. The, the figure on the statue is set in such a fashion that he's looking towards the harbour entrance. The 13 men that have been lost in our station history, they are left at the harbour entrance, but sadly they never returned, so it's, it's almost like the crewmen on the statues looking for a for a, for a crew, a modern crew if you like, to be coming home safely. The lifeboat at the time was a, a Watson class lifeboat. Uh, the Dutch Sarkent should arrived in Fraserburgh in 1954. Um, quite a modern type of lifeboat at the time. She did numerous services prior to the 1970 disaster. Uh, a very capable seaboat. It was well before my time. I was the born in 1972, but uh, my father and my uncle had both launched on service as volunteers with the Dutch Sarkent. The, the area we are on is a very unforgiving location. We get a lot of swell, especially for a northerly, anything northerly around the southeast. Again, it just runs the full length of the, the North Sea. And that was the circumstances that the the Dutch Sarkent had launched on the 21st of January 1970. They'd launched into a full gale, a wind, and um, they'd steamed after a fishing boat called the Opal. The Opal had been taking water. There was a, a Russian cargo vessel on scene that was escorting the Opal eh, back towards Fraserburgh. It should have been a pretty straightforward escort job, if, if I believe again, the, the, the Dutch Sarkent go on station, the coaxing would do the same as what I would do nowadays in the modern day. A lifeboat just took up a position, a safe distance away from the fishing vessel Opal to then escort their back to Fraserburgh. But being such a position that if things changed aboard the boat, the lifeboat was there to respond as quickly as they could to make sure the crew were safe. Shortly after the, the Dutch circuit arrived on scene, um, a large swell it picked up the bow of the Dutch Zarkent and threw the Dutch Zarkent bow over stern, capsizing the lifeboat. There was six crew on board. Um, Johnny Jackson was on the deck of the Dutch Zarkent as she capsized and Johnny was thrown clear. But the other five crew were all inside the cockpit of the lifeboat. Um, the Russian cargo vessel, they came alongside the Dutch Sarkent, they managed to recover Johnny on board the, the cargo vessel and then crewmen for the cargo boat climbed on board to try and break through the hull to get access to the five crew trapped inside. They eventually managed to right the boat um, and they found four of the five guys were still inside of the boat the mechanic Fred Kirkness at some point had managed to escape for the for the inside of the boat to the outside and sadly Fred's body was never found. So um one survivor out of the six crew just uh near a great position at Arthur Station. It was a big blow to the community. Um it was the third lifeboat disaster to strike the Broch, a Fraserburgh. 
can, it was only 17 years since the previous lifeboat disaster with the lowest of the channel, adjoining channels Kennedy. That was the lowest of six of the seven crew. And then there was a, a 1919 disaster with the, the lowest of the two Cox and Andrew Noble and the second Cox and Andrew Farquhar in 1919. So the fact that a third tragedy had struck a broch, it was a massive blow to the community. It, to, to such an extent, the operations team, uh, the, 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 at the time, back in 1970, they didn't want another lifeboat put back on station or a similar class until questions was answered. And the Brock station closed for eight years. Again, until 1978, when the Solent classes had come on, on, on a go, that's when our station managers, the, the operations team, were happy to accept the the, the, the Solent class on the station. Eh? They felt it was a more capable boat than, than, than the Watson class had been. Again, the reason they went in a lifeboat back and operations team as well was again, the kind of risks that are faced on a day-to-day -day basis eh, by the local fishermen. Again, um, again, with, with a tragic history, uh, fishermen being lost as well. Um, again, we've got a lot of hazardous areas within Warpatch, Ratrahid has seen its fair share of life's lost through the years. Cairnbulg Beacon just across the bay here up to the southeast. But a lot of tragedy at the beacon as well. And then um, again, the, I think once the timing was right and they were happy that kind of boats were moving on, because the Arnold is a very progressive organisation, uh, can the amount of changes I've seen in my 31 years as crew has been massive with the, with the, the design of boats, the PPE, the navigation equipment. Again, the, 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 I think was moving forward in a community at the time. 1978, I think they realised things is a lot better. The risk had always been there in the eight years the station was closed. Very fortunate during that period that nothing went wrong with Annebroch during that period. Um, but they knew they needed to get another boat on station. And Abdi pulled together, whether it was the lifeboat station, the ops team, the management team, the local fishermen all spoke up as well. Um, Abdi pulled together. We 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 only got a massive community. We're, I think we're, we're figures just now is about fourteen thousand in the Broch, eh, as regards our community numbers. But them, um, they've been a bit of less back then, I would imagine. But it's a big community that relies on the fishing fleet, and they need to gain or something in place to keep their husbands, their brothers, whoever's gone to sea. We need to make sure they are kept safe. I've been brought up with the with Arnalai through my whole my whole life since the station reopened in 1978. My family they came forward at that point to, to help crew the boat, man the boat, and for me at, at, at that age, um, it was a big thing for the family. My, my, my father, my uncle Albert, they had crewed the Duchess of Kent in the early to middle 60s, and. Um, when the station reopened, they were amongst the first to come forward to, to man a boat along with other uncles, other relations. So it was just a natural progress for I become an age to join the crew. That's what I wanted to be doing. For me, being lifeboat coaxing, I would see it as a privilege. Aye, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to put in towards, to be honest. Can day to day, I just see my job in here. Can I'm, 
You're working a while with paperwork, you're trying to maintain the boat, you're doing the crew training. Yeah, we can. You're an agony aunt for the crew, you're a shoulder to cry on, um, to support the crew if they need it. It's not just lifeboat orientated stuff, it's day to day things as well. So, again, there's a, there's a lot of responsibility, but it's all part and parcel of every other coaxing that's ever can I have followed. Can they've all had that same responsibility, irrespective. And again, you're, you're going to do the best you can just to make sure the station's running and uphold that tradition within your local community, I suppose. Eh? Hello, this is Ruth Jones. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. 200 Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited.